0: Good morning, we're in a, a series uh, called Summer Road Trip. But before I get to the message, I wanna take us back just for a minute to prayer. I feel like the, the worship team brought us to a place of just seeking God's presence. And I wanna take just a minute for us to sit in that. And so, uh, just God, we just uh, thank you for the fact that your presence is with us. Lord, I feel like you wanna do some things this morning in the hearts of people, Lord. People have brought some things into this place that are heavy on their hearts, and, and Lord, we sing to you, and we ask you to, we sing songs like Do It Again, where we ask you to, to do the miraculous, and so God, we, we ask you to do the miraculous. We ask you to intercede in the lives of people who need a basic, straight-up miracle from you, God. We ask for healing, we ask for financial resources. God, we, we wanna just bask in your presence this morning, and allow you to do whatever you wanna do in our hearts and in our minds. And so God, we, we thank you for the worship that we've, we've sung to you and we've lifted you up and we ask that you would do what only you can do this morning as the God of the universe whose presence is very real with us. Would you move in this place this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. So uh, we're in this series uh, called the Summer Road Trip and uh, how many of you know there's a lot of different ways to take a road trip? How many of you have ever been on a road trip? Okay, those of you, who have all of you been in a car going somewhere? <laughs> You've been on a road trip, okay. But we're talking obviously about the, the vacation, road trips, some going somewhere. And we, all, we can take different types of road trips. Some of them are relaxing uh, and enjoyable. Some are fast paced and exhausting. Some are super structured with a detailed itinerary. Any of you? Some of you are like, I know who you're talking about. Some are just plain stressful and you need a vacation from your vacation, right? (laughs) How many of you have ever been on a trip where you've come home and you're like, I need a vacation from the vacation we just took, okay. So uh, there's a lot of different ways that we can road trip. In my younger years, I traveled very differently than I do now. Um, How I used to travel, maybe you'll recognize this, either for yourself or someone else that you've traveled with. But I used to fly or drive as long and as hard as I could to get to where I was going as fast as possible. So what happened though on that is that you don't stop, except for when the gas tank is close to empty. And when the gas tank is close to empty, that's when you can go to the bathroom. And that is when you can, um, you can eat, right? I mean, up until the gas tank is getting empty, you don't stop. Um, Rest areas were for the weak. (laughs) Just hold it. It's only 85 more miles. (laughs) Right? Or, better yet, okay, I'm pulled over, but I'm not turning the car off, and no, only the person who said they had to go to the bathroom can go. Everyone else needs to stay in the car. Right? Have you ever done that kind of a trip? Um, The other thing I would do is I would be driving along with people, and they'd say, hey, that looks really cool. And I'd be like, yes, that looks cool, but that's not where we're going, so we're not, just stop looking at it. That's not where we're going. Anybody? I was a little excessive. Um, And I get it that um, when you are going, you have one week to hike or ski or surf or whatever, you wanna get there as quick as possible, but then there's excessive, and I might have been on that. Um, I have been all over this country uh, just many times on all the major highways. How many of you have ever noticed that the major highways are not the pretty part of the country? Right, And so I've missed a lot of things as I've traveled around the country because I've been just focused on getting to one location. How I travel now in my, the wisdom of my adult years, if at all possible, I drive. Because you can take your time. You can stop where you want to stop. I, I like to stop when I'm hungry. It's like, if I'm hungry, I should eat. Um, I like to make sure I have lots of snacks and drinks, even though that leads to the rest area. <laughs> and I stop at rest areas whenever we need to because it is, life is too short to be that uncomfortable. <laughs> you know, if you've ever had to hold it, you're like, this is miserable. Road trips are supposed to be fun. If something looks interesting, then for sure we should take a trip over there and see what it is. In fact, I like to research ahead uh, to see what might make the trip more interesting along the way. And so as I was thinking about the idea of road trips and looking back at my earlier traveling styles, I saw some similarities of how I approached my life as well. Um, I used to see life as some destination that I was supposed to get to, rather than a journey that I was supposed to, dare I say, enjoy. It was like, oh, I've gotta get to here, and then I've gotta get to here, and I've gotta get to here, and I was missing out on a lot of the enjoyment and the things that God was wanting to show me along the way. And I think all of us can be in danger of approaching life that way um, with this huge destination out in front of us. And we just keep plowing away, you know, pedal to the metal. We're gonna make it to that next destination, thinking that someday we will arrive. And that when we arrive, everything will make sense. And then we will enjoy our life, and we'll enjoy our family, and we'll enjoy our friends, and we'll enjoy our resources. But what I know to be true is that what might work for a one week adrenaline junkie vacation is a very poor way to live your life. And yet a lot of us, were living our life that way all the time. And if we look at the lives of the people in the Bible, people like Abraham, Moses, David, Jesus, Jesus definitely had a destination at the cross at the end of his time here on earth. And, but what we saw in each of their lives is that they had things to do along the way. It wasn't just about getting to the destination. It was about the stops and the places where you pull over and you see people and you minister to people and you experience things. Because along the way, there are things to learn. There are weaknesses to overcome. There's pride to lay down. There's people to love and serve. There's a God to worship and adore on the journey through the life that he created specifically for you. You're unique. God has specific things for you, a specific journey for you. And so as I was thinking about this journey of life that I'm on, I decided to take a look at just one character in the Bible, um, King David, and uh, we're gonna put together what I'm gonna call some guidelines for the journey. We're gonna do a very high overview of the life of King David. And so uh, if you're not familiar with the guy David, he was one of the greatest kings of Israel. Um, We read about him in 1 Samuel chapter 16 when God sends the prophet Samuel to a man named Jesse to choose one of his sons to be the next king. So there's a whole process, and I'm not gonna tell you all the details. We'd be here for like six hours, so we're gonna just do the fast version. But um, David was chosen by God and anointed to be the next king by Samuel. But the fulfillment of that anointing would be 15 years down the road. So he was told, you're gonna be the king, but 15 years from now, that's when that'll happen. David didn't know how many years, he just knew it wasn't right now. David was perfectly fine with that pace. Now if that's me, I gotta tell you, if somebody said you're gonna be royalty, you're gonna be the next queen, I'd be like, I wanna do that right now. (laughs) Like, let's go, I'm starting, get me my limo. That's what's happening. David, surprisingly, he goes back to his sheep. He goes back out to, to the wilderness. He actually ends up uh, playing the harp and being a, a musician for the current king. Now, he, you know no time do we hear him say, hey king, I'm the next king. He just is doing his thing. He's doing the next thing that God is showing him to do. Um, he, he's fine to serve the way God wants him to. And I love this, that even though David knew the destination of king was ahead of him, he waited for God to lead him to that new role. And so my guideline one is that even if you know for sure where you're going, sometimes it's better to take the slow road and let God orchestrate the timing. God said, David, you're gonna be king. But David, there's still sheep to watch. David, there's still a king that needs to be served with your musical skills. David, there's, there's a, a, a kingship out in front of you, but the journey's important, and how you get there is important. And David continues to be faithful with the things he's already responsible for on the way to the destination of being king. He had sheep to take care of, he had a king to serve. and That was a long and slow road, and yet he seemed perfectly fine with it. And David, while he's living his life, he, he's paying attention to what's going on around him. He's looking around, and the situation isn't good for Israel at this particular moment. If you go to 1 Samuel 17, I'm gonna read you part of this passage, it's verse, uh, verse one, 1 Samuel 17, verse one. It says, now the Philistines gathered their forces for war. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another, with a valley between them. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits a span, which is nine foot nine. He had a bronze helmet on his head, wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing about 125 pounds. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 15 pounds. His shield bear went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. So I'm gonna tell you that if I'm on this road trip, I'm taking a pass on this location, okay? I'm not looking at a bunch of lineup up soldiers to be like, yeah, I think I'm gonna go check that out. But David gets sent by his dad to take food to his brothers who were soldiers and he doesn't like what he's seen. Right? He's seeing this, this army and he's hearing this guy defying the armies of the living God. And so he's gonna step off and take a risk. And my guideline number two is that sometimes along the way, it's okay to take a risk. Go to verse 20 of, uh, of 1, Samuel, uh, 1 Samuel 17. It says, early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle position, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines with each other. David left his things with a keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines, and asked his brother how they were. As, they were talking with, as he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. So David's like, look at this, he's like, what's everybody running for? This guy's defying the armies of the living God. So David goes in verse 32 to Saul and he says, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go fight him. I got this, guys. I'm a, I got sent here off uh, the beaten path. I'm gonna go take care of this. And uh, David doesn't understand why, why no one is willing to fight. So verse 45 says, David said to the Philistine, you've come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God, the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you've defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves for the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands." Now this is an epic road trip, right? He says, I'm gonna cut your head off and feed it to the birds. This is quite a trip. So he is on this trip, and he's, but he's, wasn't, he's not a soldier, he's just been sent to bring some food. But he looks at the situation, and he says someone needs to intervene. And sometimes along the way of our journey, we're gonna get stopped off at a place where we need to take some risk, and we need to step out, even if nobody else is stepping out. So David takes a stone, he puts it in a sling, and he takes Goliath down with one throw. Was he nervous? Probably. There was at least a lot of adrenaline flowing, but David knew that sometimes you're required to be brave on the journey of your life. And the easiest and smoothest way isn't always the best way. He knew that God was big enough for whatever place that he had him stop off. And so some of us, we need to realize there's some places where God's calling you to and you're like, but that's it's like sort of off the beaten path and yet and I, it's kinda gonna cause me to be brave to go and do that, and God's going, yes, but that's a journey I want you to take. And so some of you, there's gonna be risk that need to be taken, and that is okay. Guideline number three is it helps to have some trusted companions on the journey. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10 says two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no no one to help them up. Throughout David's life, he didn't do this all by himself. He had a number of trusted companions. He had Jonathan, his dearest friend who happened to be the king, the, um, King Saul's son. They were committed and, and supported each other. They helped each other navigate the road to David becoming king, which by the way was a job that should have gone to Jonathan. But Jonathan was committed to the journey he was on and he wanted to help David make sure he got where he was supposed to go. And so he, they helped each other. David had his mighty men who were warriors with him that fought alongside of him, that were on the run from the king with him, that le- lived and slept in caves with him. Um, he had trusted advisors that gave him wise and godly counsel. Some of us, were trying to do this all by ourselves. You're on this journey, you're like, I feel all alone, I feel like I'm on this journey all by myself, and sometimes it's because you haven't looked up to see who God's put in your life. David had people, because the journey you're on was never meant to be done alone. This is not a solo sport life. It's something you're supposed to do with others, with other people in the body. And so we need people who will support us and encourage us and challenge us when we're wrong. Some of you, you've got people who tell you what you wanna hear, some of you need people who will tell you what you don't wanna hear. And then you need to listen to them. Um, David had people who pointed out when he was wrong, we'll talk about that in a minute. But we need to invest, people to invest in us and we need to invest in them. That's the third, the third guideline, is having some trusted companions. Fourth guideline, this is a fun one. Sometimes you need to dance like no one's watching. So you need to dance, right? It's gonna, it doesn't matter who's watching, it doesn't matter if you dance terrible, you're just going to dance and you're going to enjoy your life. When David became king, he was busy doing all the things needed to run a nation. He was defeating enemies, he was keeping the people going in the right direction, following the Lord. And along the way, there were a lot of moments for them to celebrate victories um, and to worship the Lord together. And one of those times we see in 2 Samuel 6, verse 14, says King David is celebrating that the Ark of the Covenant, now if you don't know about the Ark, the Ark is the, signified the presence of God with his people, that God resided in the Ark and he, where he was, where the Ark was, where God was. The Ark was holy and it was being returned to the city of Jerusalem and this was cause for a huge celebration. So there's dancing in the streets, it's a big party, um, and King David is dancing in the streets, just dancing his head off, right? He's, it says he's dancing with all of his might and he's not worried about anyone's, what's anyone's thinking. He's just dancing. He's having a good time worshiping the Lord, thanking God for everything he's done, enjoying the the victories that God's given. And in verse 16 of 2 Samuel 6, it says, as the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michael, daughter of Saul, which happened to be David's wife, watched from a window, and when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. One question I would ask is, why was she looking out of a window and not out celebrating? It's a question I have for Michael. But verse 20 it says, when David returned home to bless his household, Michael, daughter of Saul came out to meet him and said, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today going around half naked in full view of the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this. And I will be humiliated in my own eyes, but by these girls that you spoke of, I will be held in honor. See, David knew that on the journey of life, there would be times of great celebration, times to worship with abandon, to dance and not care who's watching, to lift up the Lord, to make much of what he's done, because you're free to worship and you're free to become who God wants you to be. And we're all different, right? We all come here, and some of us, we worship with our hands in our pockets, and that's good, you can be that person, that's me. But you can be a person who wants to dance, and you can be a person who sings louder than anyone thinks you should, <laughs> right? And do it, sing it out. Um, but sometimes we allow others to influence how we celebrate, how we enjoy life, how we even live who, and become who we are. And we see it in the church, and I'm gonna tell you, sometimes, church, we should be slapped. Honestly, I know I shouldn't say that, but we should. Because we get people who are excited about Jesus, and we say things like, calm down. Don't be so excited. You haven't hit the hard stuff yet. No, let them be excited. Let them worship the Lord. Let them make much of Him. Let them be more excited than you are, and maybe get a little bit of that excitement on yourself. Because some of us, we've been Christians so long that we don't dance anymore. We don't, we don't even celebrate a whole lot. We've just sort of gotten into a rut. And so don't, we, we dare not let people who are excited about the Lord and excited about life and becoming who God wants them to be, we dare not squelch what the Holy Spirit is doing in them. And may I say to you, don't, let the, don't squelch what the Holy Spirit wants to do in you. Some of you maybe need to dance a little bigger. You need to dance a little harder. You need to forget that people are watching and do what you're called to do and be who God wants you to be to celebrate and enjoy life and not to tell people to settle down. God created you to enjoy being you, to have the victories that you have, to go through the things that you go through. And for some of us, you're not like anybody else and that's okay. And I just tell you that. God created you to be unique and that's okay. Um, And so some of us, guideline is dance as if nobody's watching because It doesn't matter if they are, you're dancing before the Lord. Guideline number five is be on the lookout for people to bless. When David looked at his life and everything that he'd gone through and all that God had blessed him with, there was good times and bad times. Most of us have lived long enough to understand that there's good times and bad times. But when he looked around, he was so grateful for his life. He was so grateful for what God had done and the journey that God was taking him on. And when you find yourself in that place, Where you look and you go, I'm just so grateful God for the things you've brought me through, the things that you've blessed me with, the resources you've given me, the ups and downs. The best thing you can do is look around for someone else to bless, someone else to give to, someone else to to empower and see how you can make more for their life. We see that in David in 2 Samuel 9. If you remember, I mentioned that Jonathan was David's dearest friend and, and confidant and Jonathan was killed during one of the wars and David looks around and he asks a really great question in Second Samuel nine. He says, "Is there anyone still left in the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake?" He said, "Man, my life has been good. Is there anyone I can bless?" And uh, and the, he gets this answer back. He says, "There's still a son of Jonathan. He's lame in both feet. Both feet. He was injured during the war, and so the, they're telling him, you know, he's disabled." And David says, "Great." Get him here, let's get him here as quick as possible. So David's people go get Jonathan's son, his name was Mephibosheth, which is a mouthful. And, um, but Mephibosheth meets with David and he doesn't know what's gonna happen, but David says this, he says, don't be afraid, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. And David took care of Mephibosheth and his family all the days of his life. He was generous and kind because David was looking for ways to bless other people. Not just to take it all in, but to bless other people and to to make sure that he was being generous and kind. Because he had a generous and kind God who loved to bless him. And so when he looked around, he was like, hey, where can I bless people? How can I find people? And when we get to that place in our journey where we see, we're just full of gratitude for everything that God's done, take a minute Look around for the people that you can bless. Look for ways to, to be the hands and feet of Jesus to people around you. Now, as we continue on our, our road trip, how many of you know that every good road trip needs a soundtrack? Right? Um, it, everyone, if you look through my, um, how many of you have made a, uh, a soundtrack before on Apple Music or Spotify or uh, cassette tape? <laughs> there the hands go, okay. so. You, just, you sit by the radio and wait for the right song to come on so you could hit record, some of you, I know that. Um, but Spotify, I have, if you go to my Spotify playlist, you're gonna find a variety of playlists. You're gonna find one called Carrie Concert Road Trip on my way to Carrie Underwood Concert. You're gonna see a one called Classic Road Trip Songs. These are the ones that we're all in the car and all of you will know it, right? Um, the car, songs to sing in the car. How many of you just, your car is an, it's like, if you're in a car with me, it's a ticket to a front row concert, <laughs> right? Anybody else like that? Um, fun, a road trip to Nashville. I have one of those, fun songs playlist. But I also have, if you were to go through my playlist, you'll see that I have one called Songs for Difficult Days. I have one called Songs for Future Hope. And you can imagine the songs on those playlists are quite a bit different than the ones on my Carrie concert road trip. <laughs> They were put together in a darker season of my life when things were challenging, and, uh, and the guideline six is that sometimes the soundtrack of your life is upbeat, and sometimes it's a little sad, and both are needed. The reality is David understood this as he was a musician, a songwriter, and the Psalms are filled with songs of praise and lament. In the church, we've done a great job of singing the songs of praise, but we've tried to sometimes quiet the people who really have a song of lament. You know, come on, get it together, God is good. And you're like, yeah, God is good, but it's a difficult season. Mm. And sometimes we need the playlist that's the songs of lament to just say, you know, God, I trust you in spite of the fact that things are difficult. In Psalms five, we see all these great examples in the Psalms. In Psalms five, David says, listen to my words, Lord, and consider my lament. Hear my cry for help, my King and my God, for you I pray. Psalms 12, help me Lord, for no one is faithful anymore. <laughs> Those who are loyal have vanished from the human race. That's a, that's a big lament. But also so, he writes Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd and I lack for nothing. Psalm 34, I will extol the Lord at all times and his praise will always be on my lips. Taste and see that the Lord is good. The journey is gonna be filled with the amazing, it's gonna be filled with exciting, and fun and it's gonna be filled with loss and difficulty and challenging things. That's the facts. The journey you're on is gonna have all those things and each one of those things, both the good and the difficult, are destinations on the journey, on the road trip that you need to take a moment and turn aside to learn and grow from, to learn how to dance like no one's watching and to learn how to just sit and weep in the presence of God. Because everything God created us to be comes out of us learning all of those things. And the soundtrack is gonna be amazing maybe most of the time. But don't don't just abandon the lamenting time, sit in it. Allow God's presence to speak to you in those moments. The last thought I have today as I wrap this up. What do you do when you actually take a wrong turn? When you start heading in a direction you were never meant to go? On a real road trip, most of us have had this happen, especially in big cities, right? You're driving along and you didn't get into the right lane and so you missed your exit. And now you're on another road, going in a different direction than you wanted to. The best advice in that situation and in life is guideline seven, be quick to acknowledge you made a wrong turn. It's never helpful to drive 100 miles out of your way simply because you won't admit that you took the wrong exit. And yet some people do it. It isn't helpful in life to go months or years down a road away from the journey and the plan that God had for you simply because you won't acknowledge that you were wrong. David made some bad decisions as we look at his life. David had a temper, he could be a hothead, sometimes he listened to wise counsel and sometimes he ignored it. David went down a wrong road when he had sex with another man's wife and then had the man killed to try and cover it up because he'd gotten her pregnant. Right, bad decision after bad decision. And yet he was called by God a man after God's own heart. Which tells me that while we many times will get it right, maybe more times we'll get it wrong, it doesn't disqualify us from living an amazing life that honors God. It doesn't disqualify us from fulfilling his purposes for our lives and blessing the world around us through our lives. So what did David do? in spite of all of his flaws and failures that qualified him to be a man after God's own heart, he was quick to admit he was wrong. Get back on the right path. And 2 Samuel 12, when confronted by the prophet Nathan about his immorality with Bathsheba and having her husband Uriah killed, David's response to the accusation was simple. When Nathan said, David, you are the man. You are the one who did this. You are on the wrong track. David's response was this, I have sinned against the Lord. And he immediately went to prayer and confession. When David was wrong, he turned back to God to make things right. We see it in Psalms 51 that he wrote after he was confronted by Nathan. He says, have mercy on me, God, against you I have sinned. Create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit in me. My sacrifice is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. David understood you don't have to continue down the wrong road just because you got off at the wrong exit. Once you recognize it, you get back on track. You confess where you went wrong. You say, Lord, I wanna be back on the right track. It requires the acknowledgement. It requires the repentance. And then you're back on the right path again, following the Lord. And I don't know where you all are on your journey. I don't know if some of you are on the wrong track and you've been on the wrong track for a couple thousand miles and today God's going, I want you, I'm calling you back. Admit you took the wrong exit and come back. For those of us who, you know what, maybe we're just journeying along and, and some of these uh, guidelines stuck out to us. Maybe it's that we've been focused on one thing and we're missing our family and everything around us. We had to take it a little slower. Maybe some of us, we've been, God's calling us to take a risk and we've been avoiding it. Maybe some of us, we haven't been trusting in any companions to speak into our lives. We've just been trying to do it on our own. Some of you, you need to dance and realize that life has some really great things and and dances if no one's watching and worship the Lord with abandon and follow him wherever he wants you to go no matter what people say. Some of us, we just need to keep looking for people to bless. We're like, we're grateful, we see our life, we're like, Lord, show me the people. And some of us, we're in a season where the soundtrack is maybe a little bit more melancholy, and that's okay. We keep praising Him and seeking Him in the midst of that. And there'll be days to worship again, but we let God minister to us in those difficult times, and we pray for God's blessing. And some of us, we're on, like I said, if we're on the wrong road, we just confess it and get back on the right road. Because one day, we're all gonna arrive at our final destination, which is, hopefully, as followers of Christ, you will end up in eternity, right, if you're a follower of Jesus. And that's gonna be an amazing place. But along the way, there's an amazing life to live. And it's been created specifically for you to do the cool things that God has for you. And my encouragement to you and my hope for you is that as you do the journey, you do not just focus so much on the destination that you admit, you miss the adventure that God wanted you to have, that you miss the enjoyment of people, that you miss the enjoyment of blessing other people and seeing the reaction that you, that you, I don't want you to miss dancing in the rain, right? Because God says, I, I made this life amazing. The Bible says, I came to give you life and to give it to you abundantly, not sparingly, but abundantly. And along the way, there's stop-offs that are gonna give you amazing things and creating you the person that God wants you to be so that down the road you're prepared to minister into the next season and the next season until the day he takes you home to your final destination. But until then, let's live. Let's do everything that we need to do to be all that we're supposed to be. Let me pray for us. God, thank you. Thank you that you are an amazing God, that you put us on a road towards you And that along the way, there are places that we're gonna learn things and we're gonna be challenged and we're gonna be um, sometimes even corrected and reprimanded and we're gonna confess our sins and we're gonna dance and we're going to cry. And all along the way, you've built this amazing thing called life that we were never just meant to, to plow on through to things and miss everything on the way. Lord, help us to stay focused on the journey because it's not just the destination that matters the journey to the destination is just as important. Help us to pay attention to that. Help us to listen to your voice as you lead us. Help us to be obedient to you when you call us to repent, when you call us to step out and take risk, when you call us to bless others. Help us to be attentive to your voice, God, because you have created something amazing for each person and you want to see us experience to its fullest. Help us to step into that wholeheartedly, God, and enjoy the road trip we're on. We love you, we're so blessed that you walk with us through this. Your presence is is real and, and with us at all times, God. Thank you for that, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Church, you guys, we're glad you were here with us this morning. We hope you have a great day.